Hey, look, I'm so glad to be here this morning without a jacket on. Can I get an amen? Wow. Little sunshine would be good, but hey, I'm not going to complain because we're not shivering, you know? Um, it doesn't sound like we got castanets in the band from everybody's teeth chattering, right? It's a good day in the house of the Lord. want to welcome those of you that are tuning in online with us. We're glad that you have come and been a part of our family, and whether you're dealing with snow... Thank you, God. Hey, you, you can't see this, but the sun just came out. Go, go figure. He's a good, good father, right? Amen. It just starts dumping down rain. We're, we're still going to rejoice. So last week, I, I apologize to those of you out there because last week I went long-winded, even though we ended the, the service short. Some of you had to remember your baptism in the rain, okay? So I apologize for that, but... But again, whether you are in snowy areas and climates online or whether you are just down the street, we're glad that you are here to be part of this messy place of grace. Amen. None of us have got it figured out. None of us are perfect. But we come here to acknowledge and to respect and to love the one who is perfect. And we want to live into his likeness and what he wants us to be and do. Got a birthday at my house this weekend. Do you remember back in the day, some of you may, some of you may not, when the doctors were telling my wife and I we couldn't have children? There was a time where we had prayed for seven or eight years, God, give us kids. We want kids. We, we want to share this love. We want to share our life. And, and the doctors were saying, it's probably just not going to happen for you. And about a week or so later, we found out we were pregnant with our first son, Landon. It was awesome. And, and, and what we were reminded is God answers prayer. And so then we, we went on, and we were like, you know what? If we don't have any more children, God's been good. If we didn't have children at all, God's good, all right? But, but, but the bottom line, he heard our cry, and he gave us a child. And then two and a half years later, he gave us this daughter, and it's been an amazing ride. And she turns eight this weekend. To God be the glory, right? God answers prayer, and God is good. And, and so yesterday, we spent some time at Just Jump. If you haven't been there, just, um, you don't even need to go. Just turn up a radio really loud and just get in the traffic lane where it's all crazy. Go to Walmart, okay? <laughs> just go to Walmart. You, you, you understand what Just Jump is about, all right? Um, but we had fun there celebrating her, and then we went to Red Robin and enjoyed that. And today we're going to get uh, the makings for a cake, and we're going to bake a cake for and she's thrown down the gauntlet for her mom because she wants a chocolate cherry ganache cake. And Joyce said, I'm not so sure I can do that. She was like, I thought you were my Nana's daughter. <laughs> Challenge accepted, right? Um, and then tonight we'll have a movie time. And, and, and what we may do, because this is the way my children are. I don't know about your children or grandchildren. They love story time. Hey, how many of y'all, was that part of your, your evening routine that you got them washed up and ready for bed and then you told them a story? You know, my kids have always loved story time. They still do when we take the time to read with them. And, and they love Dr. Seuss and the Chronicles of Narnia, to, to name just a few of their favorites. I can't tell you how many times I've read Fox in Socks, almost to the point for there, there for a while I had it memorized. That, that's scary, right? One fish, two fish, y'all familiar? You, you hear me? Green eggs and ham. I mean, bottom line, uh, 
I, I love you forever, and each time I read that, I cry like a baby, right? You know, sweet story. They love story time. You know, but, but bottom line, how many of you are readers? You love story time too, don't you? And we realize that every story has five basic components. Good characters, a setting, a plot, some conflict that takes place, and then, and then the resolution. These are essential elements to keep a story running along smoothly and allow action to develop in a way that the reader can follow. Y'all ever heard about the, sto the shortest story ever told? Uh, legend had it there for a while that it was uh, written and, and performed by Ernest Hemingway. I found out that's not true. At least that's what the internet says, okay? Um, but it was supposed to be something about a bet that was made in a bar, $10 bet, that he could tell uh, a story in six words or less. And here... Here was the story. Whether he did it or not is irrelevant. Somebody put together a masterpiece, a tragic masterpiece in six words. And it's this. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. I'll pass the Kleenex around, all right? You know, I, I've been thinking about that. Stories. And... We've been talking about that here, haven't we? As we've been in this series called My Story. We've been considering and thinking about how do we want to be remembered when we die? What eulogy do we want said at our funeral? What do we want the obituary that appears in the newspaper? What, what story do we want it to say or, or to tell? And we've been talking about how our story is the, determined by the decisions we make. Somebody a couple weeks ago, I was talking about obituaries and stuff, and they came up um, and handed me the poem, The Dash. Are you familiar with the poem, The Dash? It doesn't matter what happened on the date of your birth or the date of your death. The who we are comes in the spaces between that, the dash that we often see on the tombstones. So what are we doing? What story are we writing, and what story do we want to have written? But maybe more important, and this is where we've been leaning in, what story does Jesus want to write for us? We've been looking at the, the scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What story does Jesus want to write in our life? In Psalm 139, we're told that, that in God's book were written all of our days before we even took our first breath. There's a story that God wants to tell, and he wants us to participate in that story. The first week we talked about the fact that there was some things that God would, would want to inspire us, some things he would want us to stop so that we could begin to do some things he wanted us to start. We needed to cease some things in order to initiate others. You remember that? And we said if we're not writing the, the, the correct story in our life, that we want told at our funeral, that we need to stop writing and hand the pen to God and allow him control of the narrative. And then last week we talked about the need for us to surrender some things in order that we might secure some other things. That, that who, who really wants to gain the whole world and forfeit or surrender their soul? Who wants to secure all these things that the world has to offer and then forfeit or surrender our eternity in God or an eternity with God. 
And we said, we got to surrender some things in relationship to our relationships, in relation to our stuff. Do we have stuff or does stuff have us? And then bottom line, we need to deny ourselves. We, we need to have our uh, moment where we sit before God and we say, God, I surrender me so that I can secure thee. The story. Today, we're, we're, we're going to be looking at should I stay or should I go? And again, understanding this is part of writing God's story into our lives. And each of us are going to face major life decisions that will fall smack dab into this category. But God's going to provide opportunities for us. He's going to give us direction. And he's going to lead us in ways that will radically influence the trajectory of our story. You know, I told you that first week how my testimony, when I decided to stop living for me and start living for God, that, that I had some choices to make. The Lord was leading me and guiding me, and, and I had to listen to what he wanted to do in order to pursue his will for my life. And so I felt God saying that I needed to take a ministry opportunity in Alabama. And when I did that, I had to leave my home in Ohio. I had to leave the great Buckeye State. I had to leave that life in order to pursue what God had for me just outside of Dothan, Alabama. And then there were times where I got homesick down south and I craved and longed for my family and things familiar when God said, no, it's not time. You need to stay put. After four years, God said, okay, it's time. I need you to leave there so that I can send you here. And I went to seminary. And when I was in seminary, I had to leave the south to head north, and I was blessed. And when the classes got difficult and the money started running short, you know what I said? I'm out of here. But God said, no, you need to stay. Finish the course. And so I stayed, and I was blessed. There's been many times in my life where God has asked me to leave for a place, and then there's been other times in my life that God has made it very clear that I needed to stay. And it's been the same for you, hasn't it? I mean, you think about employment opportunities. Jobs have come open, and you had to decide, do I want to stay in the job that I have, or is God leading me to go into another place of employment? Or, or maybe it was staying in the same company, but maybe it was about taking an advancement. And so you had to think, do I want to leave this place of security and what I know in this department in order to pursue and to go to another place within this same structure to do something different? Same has been true for education. What school do you go to? Do I leave home to go to that school or do I stay here and attend the local college? Uh, college football, I love college football. And right now there's this whole free agent system where guys have played in one place and they are deciding that it's best for them to leave there to go somewhere else. The, the transfer thing is happening. Some of you relationships, who you've dated, maybe some of the, the of you are in a difficult marriage and, and you're struggling. Do I stay or do I go? Do, do I leave or do I remain? Maybe it's the same in your friendships. Haley was telling us this morning about this area. And how it's been blown apart. And, and how many of you know people that left the area because they just couldn't stay and pick up the pieces? 
We're facing those decisions, neighborhoods we live in, or opportunities, financial opportunities. We could go on and on and on about all the different places God may be speaking to us about staying or going. Do I stay here or do I leave for there? Do I come with an invitation or do I go? Do I choose this way or that way? The question I have for us is, am I honoring God's leading and obeying His voice? And that's the bottom line for me is, who are you listening to and who are you following and who are you obeying? John chapter 10, Jesus said it this way, My sheep know me, and they hear my voice. They follow me. So I've started contemplating this past week some biblical examples of people that were asked to leave and maybe some who were asked to stay. Genesis chapter 7, we find Noah. You, you know him. He's sort of famous in the Bible, right? I mean, he built this big cruise ship and loaded it up. You know, you know what he was doing? He was responding to God's call, to God's request. And, and we find out in, in, in Genesis 7 that God says to Noah, go into the ark, which means there was a choice that Noah had to make. Do I go into the ark and take all these animals and deal with all that cleanup? <laughs> Man, but, you know, I would have loved to have had just a little sentence or a small paragraph what Noah had to do with all the waste material. I'm weird that way. Go, or he could have stayed. Then in Genesis 12, we hear Abram, where God is saying to him, I want you to leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to a land that I will show you. Again, there's a choice. Do I stay or do I go? Genesis 12, 4, it says this. So Abram left, and then it has this that we can just skip right past oftentimes. And Lot went with him. God hadn't spoken to Lot, but Lot went because God had told Abram to go. Interesting, Lot winds up in Sodom and Gomorrah, and God sends messengers to say, this is not where you need to be, Lot. You need to get out. And so what happens is Lot leaves with his family before they destroy that city. And they were spared because they left at God's request, except for his wife, and, and in her heart, she wanted to stay. That, that's a whole different sermon. See, it's not important. Stay or go. Later in Genesis, we read Joseph's story and how he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And it's, it's really a tragic story about how he didn't have choices. Choices were made for him, and here he winds up in a far distant land as a slave, and then he's going through a lot of ordeals that were very troublesome and, and heartbreaking. And if we really want to know what he thought about it, here, here's what it says in Genesis chapter 41, verse 52. And this is him naming his second child. The Bible says he named him Ephraim because God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. It's not a place that he would have chosen for himself, but here he is. Circumstances and situations have dictated this is where he's to be. And you'd think that he'd be looking for a way to escape all of that suffering. But in Genesis 50, we read that Joseph stayed in Egypt. It was part of God's plan to make provision for, for his children. So he stayed despite 
the troublesome circumstances. But he told his brothers, God's going to come to your aid, and he's going to give you a way of escape. You're, you're going to leave. You're going to have that option to go because God is faithful to his promise to take you up from this place into a land that is plentiful. Exodus 3, we find Moses where God's saying, I want you to go. I want you to leave where you're at to go to the place where I have ordained for you. Exodus 4.18, Moses goes to his father-in-law says, let me go back to my people in Egypt. And he goes and he leads God's people out. He doesn't leave them there. They don't stay there. They come out because of his story. And, and those are just instances in the first two books of the Bible, y'all. Stay or go. Then, then you go to the New Testament, and there's more stories, and there's more examples. Luke chapter 5, the calling of the disciples. Jesus gets into Peter's boat. You remember that story? And they catch this big haul of fish. That's their livelihood. And afterward, he says, come and follow me. And you know what they did? The Bible says they left everything and followed Jesus. They left their nets, their boats, their families to follow him. Verse 27 of Luke 5, we see Jesus come alongside the, the tax collector's table, and there he encounters Matthew, and he says, Matthew, follow me. The same story is repeated. He leaves the table to follow Jesus. And then there's this amazing story. I just now thought about it this morning out of Matthew chapter 6. And if you go to Matthew 666, here's what you hear. That there were some who turned back and no longer followed him. Why didn't they follow him? Because he said that unless the Father draws them, no one can come to Jesus. And they had a hard time. They had a struggle with that. And so when people turn back and, and no longer follow Jesus, he looks at his disciples, the ones that he asked to follow him, and he said, are, are, are you going away too? Are, are you going to leave me as well? And they say to him, Jesus, where will we go? Only you have the words of life. we we got to follow. No, Jesus, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stay. And in Acts chapter 1, you remember that Jesus told those same disciples, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And then, you remember what his great commandment was, his great commission? Go into all the world. He, he tells them, I want you to hesitate. I want you to stay here, but then go there. And when the Holy Spirit falls, you know what happens? Things are so good, everybody stays in Jerusalem until the persecution breaks out, and then people go and are dispersed to spread the good news. Even Jesus' life is an example of staying and going. He could have stayed and enjoyed the splendor of heaven, couldn't he? But he chose to come here and walk amongst us. He left heaven to come to earth. And when things got really difficult, do you remember what he prayed in the garden when, when things were about to turn super serious and he was going to have to give his life? Lord, if there's any way out of this... Let me leave here and let me stop this pursuit. And what did God, what, what did he finally say? Not my will, but your will. He, he leans into the will of the Father. And God says, stay. And the Son stayed. And when his work on earth was accomplished, what does Jesus do? Did he stay with us? No, he left so that he could send the Holy Spirit. Instance after instance, the Bible is filled with instructions and examples of people that have stayed and some who have left. 
what I see in, in these stories and, and others, two things really struck me. I just want to share them with you this morning, right? First of all, each of these instances, or the majority of these instances, were very personal. Very personal. Jesus goes to people, or God speaks to people, and he tells them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay, or I want you to go. So each instance in those, when people obeyed, yes, their, their invitation was personal, but the blessings of their obedience extended out in rippling waves to others. You see, God may be speaking to us about where we live or what job we have, but us listening is going to impact and touch other lives. Personal decision, potential to bless many. It's amazing to me. A prime example of this, all right? In our, in our world, the real world, not, not the Bible where we can say, ah, it's just theory, it, it, this is the real world. Do you remember a lady, and I think we've all been a, a, made aware of her, who was born in 1910 in Macedonia, who felt a calling to be a nun, served through helping the poor? At the age of 18, she was given permission in response to this calling she had from God. She was given permission to join a group of nuns in Ireland. So she left Macedonia to go to Ireland. And after a few months of training there, she was given permission to not stay, but to leave there to go to India and to live in a convent. In 1948, she left the convent to live full-time among the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India, choosing to wear a white Indian sari with a blue border just so that she could fit in and blend with the people. In 1952, she opened her first home for the dying, which she allowed people to, to die with dignity. In 1979, she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. And while she didn't attend the ceremony, she requested that the 192,000 be given to help the poor. Mother Teresa of Calcutta died in 1997, simply living into this creed. Not all of us can do great things, but we all can do small things with great love. One act of obedience to leave home to serve God led her to India, where obedience compelled her to stay. One life, one God story, exponential impact. Hers was a personal decision. She had to obey God, and when she did, what happened? The doors of heaven flung open, and untold thousands of people in India died with dignity, knowing that someone cared for them, all because she listened to God. She left her family to live into the story God wanted to write through her life. So our obedience to God may be personal, but it has exponential impact for those around us. But, but it's also this, and I see this. Listening and obeying God and His direction for our life, should we stay or should we go, not only is it personal, but it's purposeful. God uses people just like me and you to influence and impact others for His kingdom. See, God uses my obedience 
to write his story on other hearts, just like he uses your obedience as a bridge to walk across into other people's lives and to touch them and impact them. Our lives play a part in God's plan. That's amazing to me that, that, that we've been tracking this, that you don't wind up with Moses unless you have Abram's obedience, and you don't wind up with David unless you have Abraham's story and Moses' story, and, and that all leads us to Jesus, which leads us to the disciples that leads to others, to others, to others who have impacted us. Think about it. Who did God use to influence your life of faith and your walk with Christ? Who were they? Were they grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts, uncles? Was it a Sunday school teacher or somebody that just believed in you like a teacher or a coach? In what way did God use them? What did they do that caught your attention and made you lean into their story so that their story began to influence and impact your story? What choices did they have to make, or were you even aware of sacrifices of obedience? You see, it's amazing to me, but their obedience is woven into your story, isn't it? It's my prayer that our obedience would extend their legacy out to others, and that others may be grafted into this thing we call grace and this thing we call the, the body of Christ Anybody ever heard of a preacher by the name of Mordecai Ham? Not, not many of us have heard about Mordecai Ham. He was born in 1877, so he, he predates us by a couple years, right? But Mordecai Ham was raised in a Christian home. He was the son and the grandson of, of preachers. For so long, he resisted the call to ministry for years because he didn't want to follow in their impoverished footsteps because they, they were preachers and, and he saw how they struggled to make ends meet. You see, Mordecai Ham wanted to be a salesman. That's what he wanted to do. He was a man with a family. But after several years of denying God's call to follow, he finally said yes to God. Yes, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll leave. I'll follow. What, whatever. I'll, I'll be there. And his willingness to leave his career as a salesman was used by God to impact billions with a B of people. So how is this possible? I ain't never heard of this guy. Well, in 1934, he conducted a revival meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina, where a young high school boy by the name of Billy Graham got saved. And it's estimated that Billy Graham's ministry has reached 2.2 billion people through TV and his in-person crusades. Mordecai Ham, saying yes to God and following where Jesus was leading him, produced Billy Graham. And there's estimates that say that Billy Graham, through his ministry, his long, distinguished ministry, brought 2 million over two million people to Christ. A decision that was personal, but that was purposeful. God had a plan for Mordecai Ham and for Billy Graham, for Steve Irwin, and for each and every one of you that's sitting in this place 
and watching online. God uses our private decisions to bless many because He invites us to participate in accomplishing His purposes in other people's lives. Should I stay here or should I go there? It may sound trivial. That's just a little decision. But it has huge implications for the kingdom and other people's eternity. It's just as important as the stop this to start that part we talked about our story or the surrender this to secure that. We need to listen to God. That's what I hope you hear in, in this series is listening to God and what He wants to do. I just want to tell you, we're here in this decision-making process at Woodlawn, aren't we? Within the Methodist Church. There's lots of confusion. People want to know what's going on and why are we doing what we're doing. And, and you know what my simple answer is? I'm just asking you to listen to God. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Listen to God. What is God saying to you? Is he saying stay or is he saying to go? And there is no right answer. If you choose a different path than I do, it's not that I'm right and you're wrong or, or that you're better and I'm worse. No. If we are listening to God and if we are leaning into him, there may be different calls to you and me. It's because each situation is different. We're different people, and God has different plans and purposes for our lives. You know, some of the disciples, Jesus said, follow me. You know what he said to their families? Stay. Jesus didn't tell the families that, but, but we see clearly some left to follow Jesus while others stayed home and attended to the items of the family. We read in Scripture, some of the people that were healed by Jesus, Jesus, let me follow you. And Jesus said to some of them, come and follow me. But you know what he did to others that he healed? Go home. I want you to stay. There's some in the Bible that when they were healed or when God did a miracle, God said, don't speak a word about it. And to others, he would say, go and share the message. Different situations, different circumstances, same God but who has a plan and a purpose that he wants to graft us in. It's amazing. In John chapter 21, you, you see this where Peter has just fallen and failed Jesus. He's, he's denied him three times, and he's, his life is an utter wreck. And he, he goes out after the resurrection, and he starts fishing. And one day, Jesus appears on the shoreline. You remember that story? And they have this tremendous haul of fish, Jesus Leads them to fish once again. And when they come ashore, Jesus feeds them. And you know what he does after he feeds them? He says, Peter, let's go for a walk. You and I, we need to have a heart to heart. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I, I love you. He said, feed my, my sheep. Tend my lambs. Take care. Be a shepherd. And he had that place of reconciling and restoring Peter. And then he says to Peter, follow me. But I love what the scripture says. Peter starts looking around. He sees John. And he says, Lord, what about him? But well, what about him? I know what you want me to do, but what about him? And Jesus said, don't worry about 
him, you, Peter, follow me and what I've told you to do. See, what's important is to see that people listened to Jesus and blessing came. When he told them what to do, they listened. 1 Samuel 15 says, to obey is better than sacrifice. God's not looking for us to beg for forgiveness time and time again. He just wants us to listen to him, what he's instructing us to do, and follow him wherever he leads. We're going to be faced with all kinds of decisions in life, and this is just one of them. There's many different ways to honor God if we're obedient. It's the same in this situation that we face. My hearing God's voice to maybe go is okay. Just as okay as some of you feeling, I need to stay. If we're listening to God, God will take our personal decision and weave it into his purpose so that many can be blessed. If we obey him, it'll happen. God will, will write our story in such a way, or our stories, so that all may be blessed and God may be lifted up. That's my heart. That's where I am. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And to this end, I work and I lean into God's story for my life because I'm a sinner saved by His grace. I can't sit in judgment. But I can follow what God is asking me to do. And when I do this, I think what will happen, I'm just going to trust the simple theology of Dr. Seuss for us all. Oh, the places we'll go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you that you are writing your narrative into our life to tell the world the greatest story ever written, ever known, ever told. We want to continue to lean into you. Lord, as you tell us to stop some things, to start others. Lord, as you ask us to surrender some things so that we can secure what's really true and important. And Lord, we understand that you may be telling us things about where we should go or what where we should leave or where we should stay. All I can say is I trust you. I trust you, Holy Spirit, to, to guide the hearts of your people. So come into this place and just fill us because here's what, what I know. We want to serve you, to honor you, to bless you so that others may come in and know who you are and the transformation that you can have in their lives. That's why, God, we've, we've called this a, a messy place of grace. We're not perfect, but you are. And we want to walk in lockstep obedience with you. Convict us, convince us, empower us for such a time as this. So that when the world looks at us, they will know we are Christians by our love. And this is my prayer, Jesus. And I pray it in your strong name. Amen. Just want to lift up to you the prayer card that you got. If you've got needs... I want to know what they are so I can be praying for you. And if there's something I can do to assist you, let me know because I want to be all in to help you in any way that I can as, as your 
pastor or leader or just the dude that stands up here every Sunday and, and blows lots of hot air. All right? I just want you to know I love you. The, those prayer cards can be put in the tackle box. That's where we put our tithes and offerings. We, we believe in tithes. We believe in giving to God. We don't push it in your face. We don't preach it all the time. But we believe that that's the response. So those things are over there for you to attend to those. But I just hope that today you respond to God and his call on your life. Amen? Let's stand together as the band leads us.